Sidewalk Audio presents Shadow Magic, a podcast novel by John Lenahan, read by the author. Chapter 28 The Truth A Second Time You lied to me, Fergal shouted as he appeared in the chamber in a rage. He flew at me with murder in his eyes. It shocked the hell out of me. I instinctively wanted to run, except I couldn't. For a split second, I had a moment of hope in thinking that Neve would be startled enough to take that damn needle out of my neck. But she was her usual cool self. She didn't even take the knife from my neck. Essa stopped Fergal before he throttled me. She had to use all of her strength. His arms were flailing and spit was flying out of his mouth. You lied to me, you and that witch mother of yours. Fergal, what are you talking about? I said. You're not from the real world, he shouted with so much vehemence I could feel the force of his breath. You killed my mother, you and that lying family of yours. The rumble in the chamber increased, as if in sympathy with his mood. To say I was baffled doesn't even come close. It was like having a cuddly cocker spaniel that all of a sudden turned into a killer. Fergal, what are you talking about? Who told you that? I did. Kilty said as he stepped into the chamber. He was flanked by four guards holding crossbows. Son, he said in that dripping voice of his, come over here. Fergal did as he was told and Kilty actually put his arm on his shoulder. I wanted to throw up. Ah, oh, Fergal, I said, as I put the pieces of this puzzle together. You don't believe him? Of course he believes me, Kilty said, as he smiled down at Fergal. Sons should always trust their fathers. I tried to speak, but... Nothing came out. The guards looked pretty edgy with their crossbows that were aimed at our heads, but I hardly even noticed. Sister Neve, I must say, I'm surprised to see you with a knife to my young nephew's throat, and it looks like you've paralyzed him as well. If I didn't know you any better, I would think you were on my side. Neve didn't move a muscle. Oh, and you must be Princess Essa of Moon, Kelty said, addressing Essa, who had backed up next to us. I've been longing to meet you. You are even more beautiful than I had heard. Essa didn't say anything. She pulled her bantastic out of her belt and assumed an on-guard position. Ooh, feisty. I like a girl with spirit. I wanted to kill him, but judging from the sound that came out of Essa's throat, it seemed like I would have to get in line. The rumble in the chamber stopped. Kilty looked past us. Well, well, my son told me what Oisin was attempting. I could hardly believe it, but you know what? It looks like he did it. Neve spun herself around and me with her. Mom and Dad were on the far end of the archways. The pyrotechnics had stopped. I could see them clearly. They were standing 
on either side of the stone table. Both were looking at Dad's right hand. The gold bangle that had been on Dad's wrist was gone, presumably used up to fuel the magic that had made possible the reattachment, because reattached it was. I followed the line of Dad's right arm down, and I'll be damned, there was a hand on the end. I gasped as Dad opened his fingers. It worked. In his palm was a rune. He tilted his wrist down, and it fell onto the table. Mom did the same. An amber, glowing rune dropped onto the stone surface next to Dad's. They were ecstatic, but their ecstasy was short-lived. They looked to us, and their faces filled with horror. I felt so sorry for them. Dad ran towards us, but the third Marbrock sparked to life and threw him back like a tennis ball off a racket. I heard Kilty laugh at that. Then I felt the needle leave my neck. Neve whispered in my ear, Don't move. I felt the sensation returning to my body. It took all of my will not to stretch at the relief, but I pretended to stay frozen. Neve turned back around, and I spun with her, Dahi's knife still at my throat. They will take ages getting out of there, Kilty sighed. Oh, what a shame. All of that effort, and I'm just going to have to cut it off again. I wonder if I can convince Deirdre to preserve it a second time before I kill her. You said you weren't going to kill anybody, Fergal said. Oh, my, my, Guilty said. Fergal, was it? You are as gullible as your mother. She actually thought I was going to make her a queen. Can you imagine? A banshee queen? You know, I was shocked when I learned that you survived after I lopped her head off. But now that I know you, I'm astonished you have had the wits to live this long. There it was. The truth. It was awful watching Fergal learn it the first time. This time, it nearly killed me. The realization of it hit him in waves like a baby standing hip-deep in the ocean. I could almost read his mind. First came the pain of reliving his mother's murder. Next came the shame of being so easily duped. And then came the horror at the realization that he had betrayed his friends. He wasn't broken. It was more like he was shattered. Kilty pushed him, and he crashed into me. I think you should stand over there with your friends. Fergal crumpled to the floor, he hugged my legs and made a noise that I had never heard from a person before and never wanted to hear again. Tears poured out of his clenched eyelids. His mouth hung open. Saliva spilled out of it. I'm... I'm sorry. He whimpered. I'm... I'm so sorry. Pathetic, KLT said. Never in my life have I wanted so badly to do two things at once. I wanted to put my arms around my poor cousin and tell him it was okay. And at the same time, 
I wanted to tear Kilty limb from limb with my bare hands. I didn't do either. I don't know how I did it, but I stood perfectly still. Kilty thought I couldn't move. It was the only advantage that we had. You know, I suspected you were here, even before my sprog showed up and spilled the beans, Kilty said. You know what gave you away? It was that rinky-dink army. I've seen bigger circuses. I thought to myself, what could that tiny gaggle of stumpy people do other than disturb my sleep? And then I realized it must be a diversion. Oh, well, I'm glad they're here. I'll enjoy seeing them all die. As if I hadn't had enough shocks for a day, Kilty reached into his pocket and removed a crystal vial that was filled with gold. It wasn't the vial that shocked me. It was what was attached to the top of it. A red button. It was the only real-world-looking thing that I had ever seen in the land, other than my shoes. I almost craned my neck to get a better look, but I managed to remain perfectly still. Ah, nephew, I see you recognize this. I wondered if you would. I had a dream a little while back. It was a good one. You had it too, didn't you? I thought you must have, because in it was the strangest little device that was completely foreign to me. I liked it so much, I had my goldsmiths whip one up. Now, all I have to do is push this little red thing, and that pesky army will pester me no more. Kielty, Neve said. Don't do it. You will destroy everything. Oh, sister, Kelty said. I'm disappointed in you. I thought you were clever in the ways of magic. I won't destroy everything. We will be fine. All of the rest of the land will be wiped clean, but I never really liked them anyway. Everyone and everything I need is right here inside my gold circle. Trust me, the land will be a better place when I rebuild it in my own image. He had his thumb on the button. I didn't know what to do. If I surprised him by being able to move, he was too far away. I wouldn't be able to stop him from pressing it. I'm waiting, Kelty said. Is this not someone's cue to tell me I'm mad? He looked around. Disappointing. That's when a raft burst into the room and all hell broke loose. You have been listening to Shadow Magic, a podcast novel by John Lenahan. Music gratefully provided by Lunasa. To hear more of their fabulous music, please visit their website, www.lunasa.ie. That's www.lunasa.ie. 
For more information about Shadow Magic or its author, please visit www.shadowmagic.co.uk. Thank you very much for listening.